Today on The Topping Show, Snow White actress lambasts original film, Netflix lists a $900,000 AI job, U.S. power grid continues to struggle, DeSantis campaign 2.0 launches, and what does it stand for? Yeah, I don't know. China versus U.S. versus Taiwan, Porsche's 911 will be the company's last final gas car, Adidas to make new Yeezys, Subway promo, free subs for life, NASA to debut a streaming service, and the Ford F-150 has yet another recall. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's, he's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Porsche announcing that the 911 will be their final ICE engine, also known as the vastly superior internal combustion engine. Now, this is a quote just straight from the Porsche's team leader, Carl Drums, or Dums. Now, he says, quote, the Porsche 911 will continue to be the only internal combustion product in the brand's lineup as it moves to, moves to secure 80% of its sales from pure electric vehicles by 2030. He continued to say, quote, our strategy is the first place is switching to an electric mobility and we will produce the 911 as long as possible with combustion engine, unquote. Now, this is some good news to lament just because the Porsche 911 is undebatedly the pinnacle Porsche with, well, well as you say, with the exception of the Carrera GT, which that's the pinnacle of automotive history, in my opinion. It's V10 engine, very analog technology, got three pedals as every car should have, also known as a stick shift, the premium experience every automobile should have. Now, the Porsche 911 first debuted in September 1964, and it's been an automotive icon of the brand ever since. Heck, automotive community is the pinnacle Porsche. Now, it looks like in terms of their sales volume, in 2022, 13% of Porsche's sales came from the Porsche 911. So it's no surprise that it'll continue to be the premium product, and they are the only sports car, I think, with the exception of Aston Martin might have one option, but the only real sports car with a stick shift these days, which is quite sad that all the, all, all the what used to be the greats, they all gave up and acquiesced to e-gear transmissions, paddle shifters, and other bastardizations of automotive experience, in my opinion. Can't get a stick shift in Lamborghini or Ferrari. It used to be the pinnacle of Italian engineering. Not reliability, but for a fun little ride. So it'll be interesting to see, hopefully they walk back this new one because a lot of people love the Cayman. But... It's not as iconic as the 911, and they did announce that they were going to have a Cayman EV as well. So we'll see. Porsche, Porsche historically has had a good track record of actually listening to the consumers, unlike many automotive companies. A while back, Porsche said they were going to get rid of the, automatic, the manual transmission because they, they thought they were all about speed, and they made an automatic transmission that was faster than the traditional stick shift with the three pedals. And upon that announcement, the Porsche community was so irate and so vocal and about their visceral disgust of them taking away the experience of having a stick shift and three pedals. That Porsche acquiesced and said, hey, we heard you, we will continue to make it a manual transmission. And brilliantly enough, they could charge a premium for that because the competition is not. Therefore offering a unique, and I would say a vastly superior customer experience for the automotive driving experience. But I digress, hopefully more companies will follow suit. Time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Adidas to make new Yeezys. 
or Yazoo's, Yeezy It's the type of shoe I would never be caught wearing because they look so ungodly disgusting. But to some, I suppose it's kind of like modern art. They think it's really fancy and clever. I don't, but that's just me. Now, this is actually the second batch after the breakup with musician and controversial person Kanye West, also now known as Yee or Ye, which, I mean, that's just silly. Why would anyone have just one name, one, one name for the whole name? I mean, someone, no, that's just silly. I mean, topping that, not wait, no, 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 I say that's brilliant, yeah, Kanye, actually. But in all reality, in all seriousness, it looks like it'll be an online sale to start Wednesday and it'll actually start through Adidas smartphone apps and its website. Which is a case of business brilliance as you're seeing more and more of these fashion companies go direct to consumer, which has been a pretty popular business model ever since the debut, I would say, of e-commerce in general. It's fueled that whole trend. You have Nike especially going more. They, I believe they increased it by 3x or three times as many direct-to-consumer sale, direct sales as opposed to the previous year. So all these companies are increasing that business model while continuing to, of course, have indirect business models with relationships such as Nike famously with Foot Locker, and I believe they have, probably have a contract with Walmart and Target, where they can also get those sales of people who are at the stores buying whatever people buy these days, Hot Pockets and uh, what's something else unhealthy that'll eventually kill you. High fructose corn syrup in a can. That's what a lot of people buy. That's relatable. So you go into those stores, you can also buy yourself a Nikes. So Adidas thought, all right, we have this direct sale. And they claim they'll be, models will be available, including the Yeezy Boost 350V2, 500 and S700, which... It's one of those things where it sounds like an automobile with so many weird numbers and letters. But I suppose maybe it's good marketing. People think it's cool and hip. Maybe. Personally, I try to buy shoes every seven years for like dress shoes and like two years for running shoes, which the best running shoe of all time is the new Bounce 990 series. Made in the USA, one of the few ones. Fun fact. And it looks like their shoes will include the Yeezy Slide and Foam R&R, whatever that might be. Now, interestingly enough, this is coming after the company broke away from Kanye West because of controversies. I wonder if they're going to reach back out to him because they're desperate for sales because that was a significant part of their portfolio and their profit margins. So we shall see what they do from here. Other interesting business news, you have Subway having a promo for free subs for life in case you hate yourself or you just want to you know, completely destroy your health. But that's just my... well. Debatably opinion, sometimes fact, depending on what nutrition facts you read, or I don't know how literacy rates are these days, but for those who don't know, this joke actually has a grain of truth in it. Their bread can't legally be sold as bread in other countries because it has so much sugar. People think Subway is healthy. Their marketing is pretty good. They show the vegetables, but the actual bread is basically a cookie. Now, to get specific for an actual real-world example, back in 2020, Ireland, their high court ruled that the Subway sandwich, that bread, that legally, it is a confectionery because there's so much sugar in that crap. And, of course, there are other countries that just, they, I think they even ban it. So before you eat at Subway, ask yourself, do you like sugar? Because that's really what you're getting. Sugar with some carbs and half a rotten tomato. Although maybe, maybe they, they, I don't know, actually, no, they actually do pick waste in the mold before the stores open. I've heard many stores of that. Now, in regard to this promo for someone who actually would want to get a, a would want, want a free sub, does it cost your health? But it looks like they're actually having a contest to run from August 1st to August 4th, and it's going to be hosted online at subweightnamechange.com. 
Now, during that time period, idiots, I mean fans of Subway, can actually go online and commit to changing their name legally to Subway. And Subway, if they pick you, if you're lucky, and I use luck in quotation marks because I don't know who would be, I can't fathom someone being so unlucky as to change their name and then have to eat that sugary crap. But I digress. Subway says that they will pay for all the costs associated with a moron, I mean an individual, who wants to change their name for Subway. And it's a driver's license, so security number, like, I can't imagine all the documents you have to do just to change your name to Subway. And this is Subway, again, trying to crawl back up that mountain that they fell down with in terms of their reputation is basically in the gutter. So maybe that's crawling their way out of the street, less of a mountain. But I digress, you understand the metaphor well enough. This is coming after a couple of weeks ago, they announced they're going to buy about 20,000 meat slicers, which cost between, I believe, hopefully the actual cost was $6,983 per unit. So they're really trying to compete with Jersey Mike's, which has a vastly superior marketing campaign past 12 months, especially. They are all over social media. They actually brilliantly hired a, I, normally I kind of am hesitant when brands actually hire actors or actresses, because usually they have nothing to do with the actual product and it's just for people who worship celebrities for the sake of worshiping celebrities. In this case, they got Danny DeVito, who I only assume is a fair fan of food. And he has this great, he's great comedian. He has this great shtick. And he's in the Jersey Mike's commercials. And Jersey Mike's actually uses fresh meat in terms of they actually have a slicer on site. That was one of the main reasons Subway went out and bought these things because they're trying to crawl back from their tarnished reputation. So you think it's more fresh. Now, historically, Subway actually had meat pre-sliced and shipped to them by a third party. I forget if that NDA or that contract is out, but they actually didn't, you know, grow or actually maintain that meat. Jersey Mike's, for the longest time, they were emphasizing freshness in all of their commercials, and they actually slice it in front of you. And from a marketing perspective, it, I'll, again, I'm not a connoisseur of subs. I really don't eat much of that. But just aesthetically speaking, it looks more fresh if they're slicing it in front of you, regardless of if the meat is the same age or what have you. It's great marketing to see that. Very similar to Starbucks, they actually see, they design the machines to be equal, equal levels so you can see the barista in front of you. You talk to her, but the machine is right there under your eyesight. So you still see it, but it's not too much. So these companies spend a lot of money, make sure they have the right machines, sized perfectly to have the customer experience. So it's a good idea, but in terms of having a name change contest, the only way I can see this being a win is if you're, what's if not homeless, you're, uh, there's a fancy politically correct term, I believe it's a house disenfranchised or something ridiculous around that. But even then, it wouldn't be good for your health to, a lifetime supply of subs, which is a lifetime supply of sugar bread, basically. So in terms of marketing, I give this a D minus, because first of all, whoever changes their name is gonna be made fun of forever. Imagine, imagine telling your friend, oh, hey, Subway, how you doing? It's just ridiculous. And I, again, somebody's trying to find a buyer. That's why they're doing these improvements. They publicly said, we're trying to find someone to buy this dying franchise, which used to be the pickle of the franchise community. But now they're making less than like the average store sales is like $500,000, which for a store is nothing because that's revenue, not profit. And there's a big difference between your cost of goods, your actual profit margins and your revenue. Can't forget the cost of goods sold, cost of the labor, the rent, utilities. It all adds up. So that brand is in dire need for some professional help. And we'll see if anyone's able to actually turn it around. Needless to say, this again is a D plus at most for marketing in terms of a naming, a naming contest to see if you get the privilege of cookie 
bread. But I digress. Other interesting business news, you have NASA to debut a streaming service. Now, of course, like every streaming service, they're just going to add a plus to sound fancy. So this is going to be called NASA Plus, which B minus, I guess, for marketing, because it makes sense. It, what, it is what it is. And the plus makes it so everyone understands it's a streaming service. So and NASA has the name of everyone knowing it. So it's got the brand recognition for sure. Now, interestingly enough, the space agency promises, quote, live coverage and views into NASA's missions to the collection of original video series, including a handful of new series launching with the streaming service. They also know that the platform is part of a larger overhaul of NASA's digital footprint, including its website and app that aims to, quote, modernize and consolidate information currently sprinkled across the web, unquote. Now, interestingly enough, NASA Plus won't have ads, which is certainly unique for a streaming service. Either you pay through the nose or you have ads or hybrid where you pay a little bit and get a little bit of ads. But this looks like it's going to have no ads at all. And they say access will be baked into NASA's iOS and Android apps, as well as including other platforms such as Roku or Roku, Apple, Fi Apple TV, and Fire TV. So it'll be interesting to see. I can't. If there's no ads, it's just going to cost the government money. It's certainly good for the education community. But I wonder what kind of supports can be around this in terms of infrastructure. Is, are there going to be outages? Will the stuff break? But I'm actually surprised the politician hasn't picked up on this and started bragging yet. Like, this is my, this is my idea. Vote for me. Because the government might just do something. Might. Might do, do something productive. Knock on 150-year-old Barnwood. Well, a boxy, but on top of the Barnwood. But you get what I mean. Now... Going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Snow White actress Lambast, the original version, as well as the stepmom version for the Evil Queen, wherever she is. Now, she actually has a painful interview. I won't subject you to the visuals because it's quite unappealing for many, but let's lay it out. Why am I not crying? I'm public. It's so upsetting. Why were you crying? Oh my gosh, I saw the. So, this is the gal who's supposed to play Snow White, which. She is Hispanic, but she's not Cuban as far as I know. So I need to write an angry letter to Disney and be like, oh, I thought you're all about diversity. And of course, the next day they'd give me a role or something. Because that's how media works in some cases. The, the, well, I didn't even, we didn't even it's see. We didn't even see, it's but I saw the logo and I went. Now, again, the story is falling apart. I'll, I'll, I'll digress. It's, that's my name. Snow White's up there. And I cried my eyes out. Well, like seeing yourself for the first time. In full Snow White drag. I love that description. It's perfect. Oh my god, well, when you get to wear Sandy Powell, first of all, insane. And then you get to be lit by Mandy Walker. And Nadia Stacy designed your hair and makeup. It's like the most incredible thing in the world. And then all of a sudden you open your eyes and you watch the playback, which I never do. And I saw myself on screen and I just wanted to throw up. I was so happy. That... There are many people who will want to throw up to this. I think everyone could. There, there are many people of different opinions who might just have something in common. I think she's claiming she's throwing up because it's beautiful. Though? Wait, what? About it, and it was the most incredible experience, and the fan reaction was insane. We didn't even oh. see what they were clapping for. I think it. Not your show. I, no, 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 not that. It was good. I don't the know. Sizzle. We yeah. didn't see anything. Yeah. We're still waiting. You see yourself as the evil queen. You are not evil. She's also vastly superiorly attractive than the other gal. So in the original, which I know is sacred or taboo to even bring up the original work of the book or the story and then the actual film by Disney, the evil queen is supposed to be evil because she is disgusting and unattractive. And 
originally they asked, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, show me who's the prettiest on the wall. That's how she's shown Snow White. But in this case, it would just, the mirror just would just show her show herself. Or just someone more attractive than her. But this, in this case, I don't know how she's supposed to be jealous of Snow White when she's more attractive than Snow White. So, again, this is the first of many discrepancies between the original works and the real one, and also lack of, you know, any semblance of intelligence is notable as well throughout the lack of continuity or lack of any story. You are not evil. You're a queen, but you're not evil. What was it like seeing yourself as the evil queen for the first time? Didn't We did not see... The Their hair actually looks darn near identical, too. The clip. So I, I still haven't seen anything. But when I was in makeup, just like she said, we got to work with such an amazing crew and it was just like the best it could ever be. Uh, I must say that for me also the transition for the old hag was incredible because it was all real prosthetics and all of that. We were in the chair for like four hours. Four hours and, <laughs> but, and changing the voice and everything. I feel so lucky that I got to play something that is so far from what, I'm, what I know and what I'm used to. And I super, super enjoyed every second of it. The good part comes right here. This is where the real controversy comes. It has the purest of the people who actually like the original works of Disney and people with some common, some common sense. That's where they start to have a little annoyance with them. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? Are they asking, is this Rachel Ziegler? Who's the short one? The, uh, the gal who's supposedly playing Snow White. I think that's her. Jeez, those pictures are not um, positive. No, no, that is her. The short one is Rachel. Okay. I just mean that it's no longer 1937. <laughs> and we absolutely wrote a Snow White. That she's is not going to be yeah. saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreamed. So there's no prince. So why is this called Snow White? They're changing every part of the story. There's... The, the only thing, uh, there's nothing that even resembles the original story. But it's also one of those things where Hollywood has zero creativity. They just copy-paste everything. So instead of thinking of a new idea, they just take the same idea, bastardize it, and try to hope to make money. Although Disney is great at losing money since they've lost over $910 million on films lately. Dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. Something at... I'm sure little girls who are playing princess will love that story. You don't need no man or grammar education, but the, the whole story is finding true love. That's a story as old as time. That's what everyone basically dreams of. And the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story. So who wakes her up from that eternal sleep? Does she just lay down there forever? Does she just kiss herself? How's that work? story for I think young people everywhere to see themselves in. Snow White is running for president. I'm launching my campaign. I am. Yeah. And also there's no more dwarves, so those jobs are gone. Thanks to the insufferable Peter Dinklage, who said it's insulting that there are real dwarves playing the dwarves and that they were living in the caves. Although if he knew how to read, if he actually read the original story or actually watch the original movie, they didn't live in the caves, they worked in the caves. As many people have throughout the dawn of time. They didn't live in the caves, cage, caves, Peter. Now, it'll be interesting to see how much money this loses. It'll make some money just because of the name and people who aren't educated enough to actually filter the movie or look into it. Similar to Barbie, that will probably hit a billion dollars because of the name alone. 
they're hiding all the messaging, actually the actual content of the movie. Marketing department has been really good about glossing over all the controversy, but it's the name and the memory of what it used to be that keeps it alive and makes people irresponsibly take their young children to that film. Especially if they're under PG-13, and it's rated PG-13. As as many sexual-themed jokes, this makes men look in morally vacuous, disgusting beings, and there's no resolution at the end. So there really, really is no moral story either, which I guess would probably be on point for most of Hollywood, but I digress. Other fascinating cultural news, you have Netflix listing a job for $900,000 for AI. As, at the same time, you have all the actors, actresses, and writers in Hollywood on strike because they deserve more money because they're not already rich enough. And of course, they're scared to hell that AI is going to take their job because AI, they most likely will take apart most of Hollywood because it's mostly a copy-paste. I've been saying this for months. I mean, what, what's the difference between last year's Transformers movie and this year's Transformers movie? Sports cars transform, explosions go boom, wife, guy falls in love, some robots die, then they bring him back. I just wrote the next, I, did, I just wrote the next Transformers movie. I deserve royalties, they would think. What about Fast and Furious? Fast cars, lack of physics, Vin Diesel says, fa Vin Diesel says family once or twice. They steal something, someone dies, but not really. And that's another movie. Sponsored by, presumably, Dodge or some other company in the automotive community. It doesn't take much creativity to copy-paste these days. A computer's going to do that way better. And, of course, a computer can ingest every script since a dawn of time, analyze it, and then make better content because it's learning all the time. So I think some jobs are especially going to be displaced by AI, and Hollywood should be scared to death. Now, it looks like the specific job description indicates that AI will be specifically used to, quote, create content and not just develop new algorithms to recommend shows and movies, unquote. Which, of course, Netflix was famous for having that great algorithm where it would learn based on what stuff you watched and what stuff you liked, thereby giving you better recommendations. Except when it's political, then they push whatever political crap they want just because they want you to acquiesce to their political viewpoints. But on average, they would show you what you mostly want to see. Now, it looks like Netflix is also hiring a technical director to, for generative AI and it's burgeoning gaming studio that pays a salary of up to $650,000, according to a report by The Intercept. Now, they noted that the efforts were already bearing fruit, and Netflix currently airs a Spanish reality dating series called Deep Fake Love. Now, in that series, they scan a contestant's face and create AI-generated deep fakes, and the gaming studio actually employs a generative AI to develop narrative and dialogues. So they're already using it to produce, produce real content. They're just going to ramp this thing up. In terms of what actors will get paid or actresses will get paid, it kind of looks bleak because, again, you really don't need them on studio eight hours a day pretending to act. You just need to scan. So you actually have an instance in real life. You have a company by the name of the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers that offered workers a one-time $200 day rate for performers to get scanned for future AI-enhanced CGI simulations forever. Now, the SAG-AFRA, I think those are the complainers, the uh, SAG-AFRA, terrible marketing, D minus. I kind of remember what that is, but not really. So we're just going to gloss over that for now, unless we take 28 seconds to search this on the internet. 
all these acronyms gotta sound smart. SAG AGRA. The Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Ironically, there's now no such thing basically as television or radio since those technologies has been supplanted by others. Now, the SAG AFTRA says that the community would, the company would, quote, own that skin, their image, and their likeness, and be able to use it for the rest of eternity in any project that they want without no, with no consent and no compensation, unquote. Although, it is ironic that writers can't read because if you just scroll back the text a little bit, they say they pay $200. That's an amount. They say it's a one-time payment. Again, you might not like it, but that's what it says. I guess perhaps reading is... Be Based on what I've seen from Hollywood production these days, reading perhaps is a little bit more above their um, intelligence level. But we'll see who wins out as this strike continues to go and consumers they are still hungry for more content. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have... U.S. power grids already beginning to struggle. Now, it looks like the largest U.S. power grid graces level one emergency while the decarbonization policy is taking effect. Now, we have record temperatures in many of the cities, and it looks like the largest U.S. power grid provider, PJM Interconnection, issued a level one warning over concerns that it will not be able to maintain adequate power reserves as customers. Now, PJM's website actually states that they take care and provide wholesale electricity to over 65 million people across Delaware, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and the District of Columbia. Now, thankfully, Texas is smart enough to have their own independent power grid, although it does fail from time to time. Perhaps nuclear would be a little bit better than the windmills that freeze, and we have to use fossil fuels to unfreeze, but I digress. It is interesting to see the U.S., Presumably, it's not a third world country, but there are some issues where there's no such thing as common sense. And common sense, of course, nowadays is so subjective. People think I would be, it'd be fascinating to talk to 10 different people, get 10 different responses for what they consider common sense. But again, if you want the cleanest, best energy with the technology you have right now, that would be nuclear power. You can also recycle the rods. A lot of people think you have to destroy them or bury them for 150 years or no, actually more than that. But that depleted uranium is actually used for military applications because you make tank busters because it's one of the most dense substances on the planet. So technically, it is 100% green because it's recyclable. You recycle those depleted uranium rods, put them in cartridges, and well, cartridges is actually the whole projectile, Have a, make a projectile out of it, military will eat them up. They love it. Many countries use that technology. But we would have electric providers that are unstable and using inferior and less efficient forms of creating electricity. Will people actually start to use some different forms that are more efficient, although they might not sound as fancy or green? I'm pretty pessimistic because that's not the way most governments across the planet are moving, but hopefully someone with a semblance of intelligence will get in Washington someday. I would not hold my breath. Now, other political news, you have DeSantis campaign 2.0. Now this is coming as he recently fired one third of his campaign staff, which I would argue is not enough based on the sheer magnitude and volume of ineptitudes that have come from the campaign, including lying on campaigns, which historically speaking, they would always laminate against Democrats for doing that in political campaigns and political messaging. Ron Sanchez was, what's a nice way to say moronic? Well, moronic, his team specifically 
they actually had a campaign where they blasted out some pictures of Trump and Fauci hugging, and they said this is the real Donald Trump. In fact, it was not the fa- that was not the case. That was actually the deep fake. So they used AI to generate those pictures and did not disclose that to anyone who's watching or looking at that picture, and they never apologized for it. They just said, oh, yeah, 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 Trump does this too. When Trump had an AI, I believe it's a picture of either Trump himself or Ron DeSantis riding a rhinoceros. Something preposterously illogical that no one would believe is possibly real. Whereas you have this other one where the pictures look real and they're claiming, oh, no, no, well, that's, that's normal. They did it too. Comparing apples to oranges. And oranges, I say, is actually just a moderately good pun, you know, in reference to Trump. But I don't know. I was about to say, I was a poet, I didn't even know it. I rhymed, but the joke was nevertheless unintentional. But uh, I'll take it. So it'll be interesting to see. So Ron DeSantis is increasing the change of strategy as well as firing people. He's actually decreasing the number of speeches that he's doing and doing more dinner events, which I don't know how much is that going to move the needle. You certainly need dinner events where it's a cliche in politics where you're paying $1,500 or $2,000 for a crappy hamburger or I was going to say a steak to meet a presidential nominee. It's a big part of campaigning because they do need extra funds, but how does that increase the total number of votes or actual people who want to support you? I would argue, if anything, he needs to more do more grassroots campaigning, do more speeches in front of the actual people that he's hoping to try to represent as he's just lost pretty much any momentum at this point. And you have Vivek Ramaswamy, in my opinion, someone I'm actually... I respect his constitutionality in terms of a lot of the policies he's, he's suggesting. Vivek is much more articulate if you sit down with him, I have first-hand experience, but Vivek is going around doing all these interviews, going in front of people, perfectly articulating his ideals, and more importantly, how he's even going to get there. Because everyone will say, oh yeah, I want to, you know, decre- get rid of, you know, decrease the size of the federal government. He actually says specific instances in the constitution that would get, that would be mechanisms for him to achieve that specific goal. And he goes on with that perfectly articulate stance or methodology on many of the things he's professioned to do. Ron DeSantis, everyone can use to say, just diet Trump. What does he stand for? Decreasing the government size. Okay, that's every Republican's campaign note. That's not too unique. Again, if he was more articulate with his ideals, maybe he would speak more about protecting the students, protect, giving, supporting parental rights, take the things that are his greatest strengths and highlight them every minute of the day. But at this point, as he launches his 2.0 campaign, we're not really seeing that from him. So I'm, if you look at the odds of him becoming president, it's just going down precipitously. There are a couple of online sites that actually track the odds or what they perceive as the odds. And you can actually gamble on that because of course you can gamble on anything these days. But as a good old fashioned magic trick, eight ball might save Ron Santos that Alec is not so good. So we'll see what his team is able to do from here. Other interesting political news, you have China versus the U.S. versus Taiwan. Now, China is saying that the military aid sent to Taiwan will not deter its plan to eventually unify the island. Now, China is accusing the United States of turning Taiwan into a, quote, ammunition depot, unquote, after the White House announced a $345 million military package for Taipei, the self-ruled island, said on Sunday. And it, while at the same time, it tracks six Chinese naval ships off its waters, off its shores. So there's no shortage of the amount of money that the United States could spend on foreign countries that aren't our actual citizens, which is a topic in and of itself. I doubt it'll ever actually be fixed or it'll actually pay more attention to people in their backyard versus people abroad. 
Now, in terms of the history, China and Taiwan split in the middle of civil war in 1949, and Taiwan has never been governed by China's ruling Communist Party. Now, in terms of the historics of the purchases, it looks like Taiwan has recently purchased $19 billion worth of weaponry, but much of it has not yet been delivered, perhaps because we're giving away to other countries for free. Now, Washington will send, quote, manned portable air defense systems, intelligence and surveillance capabilities, firearms and missiles to Taiwan. Now, they also know that unlike previous military purchases, the largest batch of aid is part of a presidential authority approved by the U.S. Congress last year to draw weapons from the current U.S. military stockpiles so Taiwan does not have to wait for the military production and sales. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Strategically speaking, it is wise to support Taiwan since, again, they're the semiconductor mecca of the globe. And pretty much everything Americans buy these days and depend upon has a semiconductor inside of it. It's why the U.S. government did pass a substantial amount of tax incentives for them to build semiconductor factories in the United States. But it takes a while to get those up and running. And Taiwan still produces a vast majority of the complex semiconductors globally. And the U.S. has a very interesting foreign policy when it comes to Taiwan. Historically, it was a very laid-back, mysterious approach. They would never admit what they would do if they were, if China were to attack Taiwan or invade Taiwan. Whereas, kind of the opposite of when Trump was in power, when it came with the Russia-Ukraine, Trump would actually joke with, uh, I don't know if he's joking or serious, no one really knows, but he would tell Putin, hey, I got my finger on the nuke button, you better not do that. And because many people viewed Trump as haphazard or unbalanced, they didn't know if he might press that button. And in terms of strategy, it worked. I can't help but notice that's the first time in what, five, no, no, 10 years maybe? Or no, it was only during Trump's actual, when he was in office, is the one time in 10 plus years before and after Trump was in office where Russia didn't invade anything. Interesting coincidence, and of course ironic, but since the propaganda said Trump was a Russian Caspar. Which, of course, now we know is just pure, unmitigated BS, where we found it was actually fake from the start, thanks to the documents that revealed now. But, again, unfortunately, as cliche as it sounds in Hollywood, politics, everywhere in life, accused page one, cleared, or acquitted page eight, back when people read newspapers and their pages, not just a page on a website. But, I digress. It'll be interesting to see if this strategy pays off, because, it, historically speaking, the U.S. past couple of years has not defended any of our allies. If anything, we've acquiesced from all responsibility, therefore losing face, or losing faith, more rather, or other countries losing faith in any semblance of our actual alliance or strategic taking care of our own. So, it'll be interesting to see, does this strategy work out, or does China just invade anyway, because they know the U.S. is pretty weak at the moment, and they probably won't do anything. So, and also we sent most of our weapons to other countries already. It'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Now, Going on to the business blunder of the day. You have Ford having F, a recall of their F-150 trucks, which isn't good since that's the thing Ford is known for since pretty much most of the time that I've been alive. That's why they killed all their cars, or the production of all their vehicle, small cars in the US. They weren't making them very well, well, reliability, but it's also not a lot of profit in cars in terms of small cars. And, oh, I should say small, I should say cheap cars. There's some small expensive cars, you know, sports cars, but. On average, Ford was losing money on those vehicles. They weren't making them well. Tarnishing the brand is less reliable. So they thought, let's stick to what we know. The good old F-150 truck, which is the most successful truck in history in terms of number of units sold. Then you have the Mustang, which is the last good pony car because this last one has been bastardized with an electric power plant or being changed into a Ford or sedan like the Camaro is, which interesting choice, GM. A business blunder in and of itself, might, some might say, but that's not the topic of today. Today's with the F-150, they're recalling 
870,000 units. 870,000. That's an astronomical business blunder for what's supposed to be the most reliable, the best truck in America. And is actually due to a defective parking brake that could inadvertently activate while driving. So it's not a silly recall where people joke that GM had one of the largest recalls in history because the windshield wipers would not work. Which, again, is pretty pathetic to not have that simplest of technologies figured out by now. But it wasn't a catastrophic, deadly recall unless you're in the rain, perhaps. This affects cars day, night, sunshine, rain, because most people use their brakes, presumably. Some not very well, but people usually like to use their brakes. Now, it looks like the effect, this will affect vehicles produced between 2021 and 2023. Now, to give you a little idea of how many trucks, they make about 300,000 trucks per year. That's the F-150. The F-Series, they make even more because that includes the F-250, 350, 450, 550, 750, whatever they go up to these days. They get pretty big for the commercial applications. But to have what's supposed to be the most reliable thing you make and what is the most popular thing you do make, to have such a big recall for something that is a legitimate safety concern, that's got to be, bar none, the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. We're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August, so you can click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.